Alright, we're going to be uh, looking at the scriptures today, distinguish, distinguishing marks, uh, talking about uh, distinguishing marks of the church. This is uh, the beginning of that series, and we're first looking at the Word, and what better place to begin than at the Word. We've been studying through the book of Acts for some time, and we'll take that back up in the fall. Uh, and now we've uh, stopped for this particular new series, Distinguishing Marks of the Church, and first looking at the Word. And there's a couple of uh, scripture passages that were, uh, uh, we were directed to in Acts chapter 2. And by the way, we've read all these uh, passages already. But in Acts chapter 2, there toward the end, in verse 42... It talks about the fellowship of the believers. And in Acts 2.42 it says, They devoted themselves, we're talking about the Christian believers here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Speaking of prayer, join me in one. Heavenly Father, we have before us a passage that we've looked at many times before, and yet help us to understand its meaning for us even in our day. Lord, at the onset of this particular series, we pray, Lord, that we might be mindful that your church is who you died for. You died for all those who would be called by your name. Anyone who would confess your name, you gave yourself to them. And Lord, it was at a great cost to yourself. And now we, as a part of your church, want to prepare ourselves properly as a bride adorns herself for her groom. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures and for the uh, motifs that run through it. And certainly none can be greater than this, the Word of God. Bless us, Lord, as we study your Word even today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Alright, so you have this passage, Acts 2.42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yes, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and so forth. But it begins right there with the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the apostles' teaching? Just so we don't lose sight of where we're going or what we're doing, we're talking about the Word of God. And what they learned was from of old. Okay, this is what they had. And what did the apostles teach? Nothing different from what they've known before, except that the fulfillment of what they had learned before was in the person and in the flesh and in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Alright, so I want to share with you the Apostles' Creed. Okay, this, this was one of those uh, prayers that uh, the early Christians developed, I don't know, between 3rd and 9th century, somewhere in there. And they developed that to use at the time of baptism when somebody was identified with Christ and identified as belonging to the church of God. So we're talking today about what? The distinguishing marks of the church. And we're beginning with the word. Well, what were they teaching? What was this Apostles' Creed? Okay. And I'll share that with you. By the way, it's easily Googled as well in case you don't have a, you know, a, a Anglican prayer book or something like that. Okay. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Savior, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And furthermore, they said, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I need to share a minor caveat with you. When it says we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, that the C for church is capitalized. The C for Catholic is small. The caveat here is that Catholic is talking about in the universal sense of Christians. Okay? So we're not, it's not like the apostles decided to have this religion or that religion. So we're not talking about the Holy Roman Catholic Church. We're talking about Christians, the body of Christ. And that's what the apostles' teaching was about. That this Jesus gave himself up for us on the cross. And they expounded that. And they reminded themselves of that. And they had fellowship. And they broke bread together. And they prayed over those various teachings that we just taught. Okay? Alright. There's another passage that we've been led to this morning. It's in 2 Timothy 3.16. Well, in 2 Timothy 3.16, you already know, many of you already know what that passage begins. And it says that all Scripture is God-breathed or is inspired by God. The breath of God. He breathed into it. So all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, and it says, for four different things here. It is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuking. It is useful for correcting. And it is useful for training in righteousness. So these four things. So we learn again in Second. Uh, uh, Timothy 3.16 all scripture is inspired or God breathed and is profitable for, for it says for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for instruction in righteousness. Okay? So if you have any doubt but uh, for the efficacy of the word it reminds us in the word itself that it is a good book and it is profitable. And it's good that we should uh, remind ourselves what's in this word. Now, obviously, when you go to Second Timothy, you realize, oh, wait a minute, who wrote who wrote Timothy? Well, that was Paul. And what was Paul doing? He was passing on the word of truth to a younger minister who who said, "Don't let anybody look down on you for your youth. Be bold, you know. Be assertive, you know. The perfect love casts out all fear. All those types of things that he was instilling." in the younger Timothy. Remember also he said in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he also says, in the things that you've heard and seen in me, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So not only Paul, not only was Paul passing on the word of God to Timothy, but Timothy was to pass that on to other faithful men who would then pass that on to still more men of God, people that would be moved by the word of God. We're not teaching anything new. And what else did Paul say? Man, if anybody comes to you and teaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. 
So the Word of God is not changing. Okay? God doesn't change. His Word doesn't change. By the way, God is the Word. And we'll get into that just a little bit more in a moment. Okay, so we've got a couple of foundational passages. Where do we come from? Well, if we're in the church, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be devoting ourselves to the Apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're going to be having this fellowship together. We're going to be sharing together. But first and foremost was what? The teachings that we learn from the Word. And what do they teach? Nothing but the Word. Okay? So that's where we are. Teaching the Word of God. Alright. And then it uh, just a little foundational passage there. Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God. So the Word of God is inspired by God. Now then, now that we know where we stand in the church, I want to take you through a little Bible course uh, brief, many, you know, bringing things together if we can, and give you by uh, uh, give you by way of example from the very beginning. When you go to Genesis one one, what do you have there? In the beginning, okay. Now, some of you that are watching the Dodgers play or the Angels play or whatever, you might say, "See, you know, God likes baseball." In the beginning, you know, whatever. No, so it's none of those things. It's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It was God who began everything. In the beginning, God. God. God is the beginning and the end of all things. He is the one who gave us the life that we have. And that's where studying the Word begins, with Him. So in the beginning... God. When you get over to John chapter 1, going now to the New Testament, and I know we don't have a whole semester to carry everybody along, or a whole year long class to teach this particular doctrine, but you can see though, as we quickly go or uh, move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it also says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. But there it says, in the beginning, was the Word. Now the Word in your uh, copies of the Bible, I trust, when it says Word, is capitalized. Because they recognize that it is deity that they're referring to. So in the beginning was the Word. And then that passage continues on, and it says, and the Word was with God. Capital W again. And the Word was with God. Don't stop there, because it also said, and the Word was God. No difference. Just like we shared just a moment ago. God is, and God does. And there's no difference. What He says, He does. Not like you and I. You know, we we say something and then we do something else. Or we tell our kids, don't do as I do, do as I say. But what does God say? Do as I do. His ways are higher than our ways. We can't measure up. And yet, that's the call in Scripture is to measure up. And the only way we can measure up is when we refer back to the cross. Back to the Word of God. 
and take upon ourselves His righteousness. So you see, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then, let me just turn there myself, and I'm going to read the uh, next couple of verses there. John chapter 1. Where is that? Is that in the New Testament? Okay. Just seeing it, you guys are right. In verse 2 it says, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, the light that was the light of man, and so forth. What are we talking about here? This is the Word of God. And the Word of God is God. And God and the Word are the same. No difference. What God says is what He does. He's the same. And then to look at that particular passage, when you look at uh, that copy of, uh, of, of um, your, your copy of the Scripture, hopefully it has the Word being capitalized here because it is referring to duty, uh, to deity, I'm sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 2, take a look at that. He was with God in the beginning. Who are you talking about? I thought you said it was a Word. Yes, it is the Word. And it's referred to as He, verse 2. He, the Word, was with God in the beginning. And was God from the very beginning. All right. The next several passages begin to go on and expound much further and much deeper than we can get into in our uh, many a lot of time today. But I wanted to remind you that there is no difference between the Word of God and God Himself. Okay, No difference between God and His Word. We vary, but He doesn't. We sleep, but our God neither sleeps nor slumbers. We move, but He is immovable. He never falters. Never falls. Never shakes. Never <coughs> gets scared. There's no trepidation in God. And all those things. So, He is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. We change, but hopefully we'll learn not to change. And one of the admonitions in Scripture is that don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And then apply that pas- or that scriptural passage that I shared with you a moment ago, how Paul exhorted the believers that e- even I, or if anyone with me, come with any separate gospel, that they would be accursed. They're not to be accepted. If the scripture changes, then it's not the scripture. If the scripture changes, then it's not from God. Because God never changes and God is what He says. And what God says is who He is. God and the Word are synonymous. Okay? It's not God in my Word, not God in your Word, but God in His Word are the same. Alright. Now just in case we still are wondering whether this Word is God. Verse 2 told us that He, referring to the Word, was with God in the beginning. 
And if there's any more questions, verse 14 ought to clear it up for us. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. Now, who is the one and only? Remember the great Shema in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, 4? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is... How many? The Lord is one. Only one God. He, the Word, is that same God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is that from the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the one and only. Praise the Lord. So God and the Word, and now Jesus, are one. Okay, we're not going to take time for the whole Trinity today. But we are taking time for this much. Talking about God the Father, or the God of old, or the God of all creation, or the God of our fathers, and the Lord Jesus Christ are the same. Their word is the same. There's no difference. All right. I want to take you to Psalm 33, verse 6. And you don't necessarily need to turn there. But let me share with you what Psalm 33, 6 says. Now, this is not the only scripture where we see this, but it is one, and I'll share that way, not uh, share that passage with you, not so much by way of proof text, but just by way of example of one of the ways in which God speaks to his people. Psalm 33, verse 6 talks about the word or God as a creator. And by the way, when you see God in the beginning, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? When you see, when you go over to Colossians, it says, in him are all things made and there wasn't anything made that was made except through him. And that was referring to Jesus. And we've already tied God the Father and the Lord Jesus together. And their word is the same, folks. No difference. And this word, Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Wow. Wow. Remember, we just shared just a moment ago, 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says that all scripture is God-breathed. By the way, that's what inspired means. God-breathed it. And here you have that in the Psalms. They understood that not just in the New Testament era, but they understood that in the Old Testament as well. And by the way, whether it's old or new to us, it's all God's Word to God. Remember? He didn't change. We might have had different epics, periods, what have you, but God's been the same throughout all generations. Throughout all generations, He's been that same immovable God who has not changed. Our God is strong. Our God is one. Our God is true. Our God is the creator. And that's what Psalm 36, 3, 33, 6 points out. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. By the way, by the word of the Lord were you made. By the word of the Lord was I made. 
By the word of the Lord, those who came before us were made. By the word of the Lord, everyone who comes after us were made. Okay? Shouldn't be any kind of a surprise here. One of the passages of Scripture that I refer uh, people with that have had to deal with difficulty in their marriage, especially the man, and so, oh man, you have nothing on one of the brothers in the Old Testament. A fellow by the name of Hosea. Mm, you talk about a difficult calling that was his. And every time his wife would cheat on him, God would say, go to your wife. Be with her anew. Well, she won't take me or she's been living off over here. Go to your wife. And then what was, well, I'm giving away the story for that particular book, but I guess it's scripture and it's to be understood anyway, right? The concluding remarks from God as he speaks through his prophet Hosea is that this is what my people have done to me. They've gone off and they've loved other gods. They've gone off and they've served other gods. And Brother Jeremy's prayer this, this morning was that we, won't, uh, that we won't get so caught up. Prayer confession. We won't get so caught up with the television or pleasure or even nature, the very things that God created. But that we would concentrate on the Creator, not the things that He made. Praise the Lord. And Hosea had to learn that very, very difficultly. But what I wanted to mainly share from the prophet Hosea is that God speaks through people. He speaks to and He speaks through His prophets. Now, by the way, you don't have to have a title bestowed upon you to be a prophet. A prophet can be someone who just forth tells the Word. You're telling what the Word of God says. Not changing it, not altering it, not taking away from it or adding None of those things. You're just simply telling what's in the Word of God. You don't have to be a seer, as it were, but just someone who explains what you've heard from God. Alright. So, in Hosea chapter 1, right there at the very beginning, the Word was God's law to His prophets. It says, when the Word of the Lord began to speak through Hosea, and, and again, I'm not using these passages as proof texts, only as examples. When the word of the Lord began to speak, he spoke through Hosea, one of the prophets. Okay. Can God speak through you? Absolutely. If you read the, the word of God and somebody asks you a question and you give them a scriptural answer, wow. How much further ahead are they? You have used the Word of God and you've shared that with them. You've given it to them. I want to share from another passage. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 11, simply says this, Thy Word, here's David now, calling upon God, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
So it's the word of God that will keep us pure and clean and sanctified as it were. Thy word have I, have I uh, hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And there's so many passages like that. Thy word have I desired more than my, you know, thy necessary meat. And on and on the scriptures go that I need the word of God more than I need all these other things. Remember Jesus in the New Testament when he said he wasn't hungry and you know, all his disciples were wondering, well, who, who, who came and fed, uh, fed him? We haven't seen anybody giving him any food. He says, no, my need is to do the will of God who sent me. The will of my Father who sent me. Wow. So charged with the Word of God that it was enough for him. And by the way, when I share from Psalm 119, um, passages like verse 11, and by the way, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter. <laughs> Uh, in the Bible and it goes on and on and on. So if you're deciding to read a book and you want to read a book within a book, there you, there you are, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and actually Psalm 19 as well are what's referred to as didactic psalms or they're teaching psalms. That's a big $5 word to show you that uh, the Southern Baptists did get their money when they sent me to seminary. I remembered one word. Okay? So they did get their money for, for, for doing that. Uh, praise the Lord. That's all that means. Is It's a didactic psalm. It's one of those ones that will teach us, like Psalm 1, like Psalm 1 that we had today, it will teach us if we will listen and if we will learn. And if our feet, like the Lord's feet, will be firmly planted where we're drawing nutrition, like that tree planted by the rivers of water, where it could draw that nourishment constantly. Now, I'm not saying to draw all the analogies there so you'll be stuck in the mud, you can't move, you can't, you know, whatever. Because we're mobile, right? We were created higher than the trees, uh, and I didn't mean necessarily to talk about that, except to point you to the scriptures, because in them you find the word of God, and these are the words of life. Okay? So that's what we learn from the word. That's what we can glean as we study God's word. All right, so we've shared a little bit today. Looked at all the starry hosts that were created by God. We saw His Word uh, in and through. And by the way, you can get over to some of the other passages that talk about the majesties of, you know, the, the or the glory of the Lord is, you know, shining round about us, and we can see His glory demonstrated in nature and all these things. You can see that in a Christian smile. You can see that in the beauty of the dawning of a new day. You can see that when you see where you were and where God brought you today. You can see God's working in and through the lives of other people. One of the neat things for me in just a short time was to be able to see uh, Sister Jimenez grow so much in the last few months as she attempted to minister to her family. So sick, so ailing, and yet so giving and growing. Good to be able to see that. It's good to see that in and through the lives of other individuals. And I won't pick on everyone, but I mean, you, you, you think of, and I know we're not 
completely doting on other people. But when you see Johnny lead us in music, when you see uh, the, uh, the excitement that Brother Jeremy has in sharing the word, when you see others playing a mickle, you know, it's, wow, they're kind of, you know, they're dedicated to the Lord and they want to give themselves to God. You see the, uh, the ministry gift that we got from uh, Sister Doty with sharing some of the drinks. You saw what, you know, Sister, uh, Brother uh, Daniel Rosales did by way of preparing, uh, you know, everything for us so that we could have a good... That is the work of God that is working in and through the lives of people because of the Word of God that teaches us to do such things. Where do you learn that? You don't learn it naturally. It doesn't come naturally. Look at any kid when they grow up and you give them a toy and you tell them to share it. It's mine. You tell them to do something, they say no. You know? I mean, it's not nature. It's not natural to do the things that we see in the world. But in the Christian body, it becomes normal. The more we become like Christ, the more the things of the world become abnormal. And God's word becomes the norm. This is where God wants us to strive to be more like his word. Okay? When that holiness passage or that sanctification passage in uh, Psalm 119.11, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you? Yeah. I want to be more like you. I don't want to go against you, God. By the way, none of us wants to be found Kicking, as it were, they used to say in the olden days, against the goad. It hurts. Okay? Don't be found going against God or bucking against the things of God. I'm going to take you to the last passage of the day. And I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, you have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, so on and so forth. And you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Okay? Colossians chapter 1. And if you're finding your place there, what Paul has to share with the uh, church at, uh, at uh, Colossae is this. Verse 15. Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible invisible God. Now this is Paul talking to the Christians at Colossae. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Wow. Wow. Furthermore, it continues, and he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth, whether things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That is talking about the supremacy of the Word of God. That's talking about the supremacy of Christ Jesus, the Word, who is God. No difference, right? If we say in the beginning of God, we could say in the beginning Jesus Christ. Because this passage tells us so. And we believe it. If the Bible said it, and we read it, then let it be so in our hearts as well. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from all creation. He, uh, or for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created for him and by him, and all things hold together in him. We are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you go back to Genesis, and the reason I brought that up is because it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when you see a passage like this, it says all things were created by Jesus. All things were created by him. All things hold together by him. All things were created for him. So he made everything for himself. He made you, by the way, for himself. He made you in his own image. For himself. To glorify himself. Because he's God. And he's worthy to be glorified. Praise the Lord. This same God. The God of the Old Testament. Is the God of the New Testament. And what he says. He does. Let his word be true. The Bible tells us. That let God be true. And all men liars. And we do all fall short of God's glory. We don't need that reminder there in Romans 3. We already know it. We already know that we fall short of the glory of God. But through His Word, through His Word, we can be mindful of what pleases God and we can be mindful of what God has done for us. We can be mindful also that He is His Word. And His Word never changes. God, our God, is an awesome God. Praise the Lord. Join me by way of a word of benediction. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O God. And that comes from Psalm 19. Praise the Lord.